All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 275 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by, as always, by Botano.ca. The game starts here, and the games are back uh, tonight. Uh, two games on slate in the NHL, and there'll be eight on Thursday. Uh, the week will progressively uh, speed up until Saturday when all 32 teams are, are back in action. Uh, nine teams uh, entering their bye week. Uh, this week, and uh, including the LA Kings, uh, some new uh, coach that uh, we'll get to uh, on that. Of course, you have also the lead up to the Super Bowl. It is prop bet mania. If you are a prop better, get to Botano.ca because uh, there is one for you. Uh, anything you like at Botano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli after a man, a busy weekend, a huge amount of announcements uh, across the NHL. Frank, I guess we'll start with the uh, the All-Star game. And uh, wait, 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 wait. we, we got to start with your weekend. Oh yeah. Okay. So, sure. so my brother texts me on Thursday, loyal listener of the pod. And he goes, what? No pod today. And I said, well, I'm at all-star and Jason is in Phoenix. He's seeing uh post Malone at waste management. And my brother replied back and he goes, definitely did not have that on my bingo card. Gregor seeing post Malone in <laughs> Phoenix. Tell yeah, us. It was, so yeah, it was um one of my uh, wife's friends um she got uh, four tickets for her for a Christmas present and asked if we'd come so uh of course we went and it was uh it was phenomenal. I toured around the golf course on um on Saturday morning and uh, cuz we stayed right right at the uh, the Fairmont which is attached to the course and uh, so you walk all around you know there's Aaron Badley and a few other uh players already there. Uh, actually we're walking down the fourth hole and uh, and Badley's teeing off, and I'm just standing there, and he bombs one over our heads, and then he stops. He's like, "Hey guys, sorry about that. I didn't see him. Like, I'm pretty sure you weren't going to hit me." So uh, we had a little chuckle about that. And then, um, like the, I, I had, I obviously have been to the waste management open on TV. I've never been there, and they really expanded the 16th hole. It it fits 20,000 people, Frank, around the one golf hole. It's bananas. So kind of, it's like the equivalent of selling out an arena, basically, yes. to have a concert there. Yeah, now it's nuts. And so uh, where do they put the, the stage in relation to the hole? Well, they put the stage right in the middle of the hole because where the tee box is, then there's a bunch of like uh, shale and sand because it's a par three, right? Uh, leading up to it. And so that's where they put the stage, basically right in the middle of the hole. And hmm. uh, so it was, you know, our seats were basically were right uh, parallel to the stage. It was, it was phenomenal place. I do want to say a huge shout out to uh, 
to Big Steve. So, and I call him Big Steve because he's about six six. So, as we're coming in, we had seats in section N, which is a which is really good, and there was a, a suite level right above us. And so, there's no one really guarding it there. And as I'm walking in, you know, this guy stops me and goes, "Hey, are you Jason Gregor?" And I'm in like, I'm like, "Yeah, man." He goes, "Hey, I'm a big fan of the rundown." What do you, I just, come on? You're here. Yeah, no joke, man. Big Steve. That's why I'm shouting him out. And Big Steve's area. Hey, man. He goes, Are you in the suite? I said, No, we're just sitting there. I'm just looking for a washroom. And he goes, Well, here you go. And uh, he gave me wristbands. He said, uh, Feel free. So it's all free booze. So uh, big shout out to Big Steve. So he got us into the suite. It was unreal. Like we still sat in our seats, but we just would go up uh, and you get free booze all night. So uh, it was amazing. But yeah, we had a chat. He's all, you know, he was kind of concerned about the Coyotes. He's become a big hockey fan. He's he's a, he's originally from uh, out east, so that's why he's a diehard hockey fan. And he's like, you know, he's kind of torn on the Coyotes because he says, yeah, man, like, I want the team to stay here because I like NHL hockey, but the arena sucks. Like, come on. You can't uh, – barely anybody can go to games now because it's too expensive, and he thinks they're going to leave. So um, all right, it was well, uh, that's- interesting. We had a really good chat. Thanks to Steve for hooking you up. Let's start with the Coyotes then because that was actually one of the big news topics of yeah. – Friday, we had an hour-long press conference with Commissioner Gary Bettman and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, but the real fireworks were 10 minutes after that when NHLPA Executive Director Marty Walsh absolutely tore into the Coyotes, and look, this situation is coming to a head. I've been saying for months that the clock is ticking. Marty Walsh said on the record that the Coyotes have blown past two, quote, artificial deadlines to this point to present the NHL with a stone-cold plan of when they're putting shovels and steel in the ground. And to his knowledge, they they haven't made any progress. And he pointed out that as the former mayor of Boston and also the U.S. uh, Secretary of Labor, he has relationships with a lot of politicians. And so when the Coyotes are trying to you know, buy a piece of land that belongs to the city of Phoenix. Like you can't bullshit him. He, I'm sure he picked up the phone and called the mayor of Phoenix and said, Hey, what's going on here? So yeah. he's, he's more or less saying, if you read between the lines the coyotes to his knowledge, haven't been, haven't made any progress on, on landing an arena in Arizona. And that would seem to leave them few options right now, especially with, the Salt Lake City Entertainment Group, led by Utah Jazz owner Ryan Smith, putting out that expression of interest publicly last week that really, I know he said he wants an expansion team, but he also pointed out that they can immediately, quote, immediately host an NHL team. So that part isn't lost on anyone. And I, I think we are within weeks of a, of some kind of announcement and what that is, you know, there's been lots of speculation behind the scenes from league sources. There's only two options here, Frank. They're either going to get, I actually think there's one more. Go ahead. What what do you think? I I think there's either an announcement. They actually have land secured and they're going to, they're going to build a facility or they got to relocate. I don't like what's the gray area here. I don't, I don't see how they can get an extension. Bettman's basically said that like he, they've got to have a solution here. They don't want to play in the tiny arena forever. I, I think one other solution is to have a third party come in and take the coyotes off of Alex Maruello's hands and keep the team in Phoenix and privately fund an arena. Meaning Hmm. No more relying on the government as essentially what Alex Maruello is trying to do. It that's that's kind of the problem here is if you go through a land auction deal, you're going to have to go through the full calendar year process to do so, and then you may still get challenged by public interest groups that are yeah. hot on your case after yeah, they, two they different beat two different municipalities have told you no through through a vote so how do you avoid a referendum that's really what the coyotes are trying to do is because they've lost two of them now and that's the sticky part that they find themselves in so there i think there is a third option that isn't really much being talked about but someone coming along that will just buy the team and then buy the land himself so you don't have to deal with the government and then privately fund 
a total, you know, new building. Hmm. Yeah, and again, not a not a great option either because you're still years down the road before the building's actually complete, right? That's the uh, I think that's the issue. So I I think listen to Marty Walsh and, and how open he's been in his criticism. I think it's fair to say that the PA is not uh, loving the current situation of the uh, Arizona Coyotes. To put it blunt, to put it mildly, <laughs> um, yeah, they just well, and it's fair. Like it doesn't it does not live up to the standards of any other facility in the NHL, right? And it's a beautiful college facility. Don't get me wrong. Are you kidding me? Like that part's awesome. No. And, and I think that's the tough part is I'm a believer. You were just there. I'm a believer in the Arizona market. The, the wealth is there. The population is there. Oh. The climate is perfect. Uh, there's lots of people that would, you know, lots of players that would want to live there. And I'm sure love living there. The hard part is there's a lot of baggage that comes with this organization and frankly, the franchise team name and every, the lack of success that's been associated with it. I think the better play for them is to start fresh, but I I thought it was really telling that when Gary Bettman had his press conference, he's not normally one to mince words. And he, he said, you'd have to find the clip, but he said something like, and I'm paraphrasing, Alex, Alex Maruello has told me that everything is on track for them to get a piece of land and, and get a building. And then he stopped and he paused and he said, and I'm reasonably, and then he paused for a while and he said, reasonably confident that that can happen. And it was like, it was almost like he was publicly doubting the owner's ability to get this done, which if you're following along has almost never happened. Yeah. And then you you saw the Coyotes, you know, with their tweet about flying a, a Keller back to, to Arizona. Like that was some you, sort of, hey, Marty Walsh, look at us. We're professional. Like, yeah. Like, and you know what I was thinking at the time I saw the tweet? I was like, congratulations. I'm giving golf claps. Congratulations on doing what every NHL team has been doing forever. Yeah. Like it's literally 15. Since I've been covering the all, my first all-star game was 2008. And I was covering the Flyers. It was in Atlanta. And the Flyers had flown their guys back and forth on private jet. That that was how many years ago? Six is it 16 All-Star games ago? 16 years ago? Anyway. Um, and you want to know the best part about that tweet is I'm reasonably confident, to use Gary Bettman's quote, that Heat Daddy, if you know him on social media, was not just in the picture, but on the plane. Oh yeah, he lives in Arizona. I so I'm I'm just piecing it together. No confirmation, but uh, he looked like him in the photo, and then he posted on his own Instagram, Robbie Gucci, that he was on the plane. So I guess he got a free ride back to Arizona. I don't know. Either way, pretty awesome. So oh, by the way, uh, Post Malone concert outstanding. That guy's a pretty talented singer. And uh, if you're looking for things to do, Frank, I know not. Um, I went on, uh, we went uh, a double hike day, went to a pinnacle peak, which is kind of a nice warm up, And then we hiked uh, up, uh, uh, Tom's thumb, which is what it's called. And, uh, it was a really good challenging, uh, it's a round trip of about uh, four and a half miles, two and a half, uh, like 2.2, 2.3 up and down and, uh, certain, uh, certain pretty steep parts there. So, but uh, I will highly recommend that as what well as do? the concert. What did you do when you got to the top? Did you sit on Tom's thumb? Uh, well, no, dude, Tom's thumb is so like, I, I have a picture of it. Like, I don't know how, how high it is. Like the rock formations up there are amazing. Like I was blown away, but no, we just, uh, you took a few pictures and sat up there for a bit. And then you're like, okay, thank God we're at the top. Cause it was, uh, it's getting a little tiring there for a while. So it was, uh, uh, that day, uh, Frank had the old stepper 30,000 steps, and, Oh, nice. uh, lots of them up the hill. So that was a, it's a great way to spend a day. It wasn't thankfully. It wasn't uh, too hot that day. It was like, you know, 14, 15 degrees. So Celsius or sorry, I, man, I feel so old leaving Toronto. Like every, you know, every all-star, there's always a bunch of parties after parties. Uh, go see Bieber, go see whoever Nelly for Tot. Like I just, I was so checked out. There were so many things happening between starting off the trip with the Lindholm trade, followed by everything that took place on on Friday morning with Todd McClellan being fired, the Sean Monahan trade, the Olympics announcement, the Four Nations challenge, face-off, whatever it is. 
I was gassed. I was like, I'm, I am going to have an old fashioned or two and I'm going to bed. I'm an old man. So, so let's get to uh, some of those announcements and let's start off with the, you know, the four nations. So I'm assuming there's no all-star game then next year, right? No all-star game. Correct. Okay. So the no uh, all-star nation- game in 25 or 26 or 26. Likely. So. Very likely. Very like well, yeah. Normally, there's never an All Star game in the Olympic year, so I think it's great that they're going to the Olympics. I think obviously the NHL players want it. all the fans wanted it, and you know the the four nations. I'm sure you're gonna you're, you're gonna hear some backlash because I agree it's not perfect, but it's still better than nothing. Is the way I would look at it. I think it's a it's a it's a, like a nice little teaser to the Olympics. Yeah, I'm not gonna get lost in the top players from other countries crying. Because we're going to get Canada and U.S. meeting. Like, I know, uh, like, and Sweden and Finland. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, do I, is it tough that David Pasternak and Czechia aren't in and, and Leon Dreisaitl in Germany? Yeah. But why would, why should everyone else hold off from a larger international play because of those countries and hurt feelings? The answer is they shouldn't. And the real backstory that no one's really willing to say publicly is, and the reason why Russia, uh, I saw a lot of people complaining on social media and I don't think they were bots about Russia not being part of it. And it's like, are you, do you not see what's happening around the world with a continued war that was unprovoked against Ukraine? Like, yeah, like that's not happening. They've been banned from international play. So it's not a true best on best, and we know that, but let's get Connor McDavid in a Team Canada jersey already. Let's get Austin Matthews in a Team USA jersey already with the with the Kachuk brothers. Like it's beyond time. And I I personally think that rather than like if I were in charge, which obviously I'm not, what I would have tried to do is just a an a rivalry series. Don't, you don't need to play for a championship that doesn't the uh, the cup doesn't whatever you win doesn't mean anything because it's going to be a one off so you can claim supremacy okay great what i would have done is concurrent five game series us canada best of 5 sweden finland best of 5 and play that in play that in europe do czechia slovakia germany switzerland all four series, best of five, and that's just that's how you fill the ten days. Yeah, could be as little as three, could be as many as five. Then you get all the players involved. Mm-hmm. You've got all the eyeballs that you want, Canada, U.S. Like take that and hook it right into my veins. But if we get somehow a Canada, Finland final or U.S. Sweden final in this four nations face off, like no one's going to be that excited about it. Yes, I still think they'll be excited about it because every Olympics, you can't be guaranteed. It's going to be the, you know, the two biggest rivals going out into the final. I think, you know, the fact Canada, the U S they're going to play multiple games. Right. And so no, they, they have the potential to play just once because what they're doing is, so they, they outlined all the details and I tweeted it out, but quickly they're playing seven games in nine days. And it, it's from February 12th to the 20th, 2025. It's very likely, although it wasn't announced, but I reported very likely to be played in Montreal and Boston. And it's a round robin. So four teams, you play three games in the preliminary round. The point system is three, two, one, zero, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> and then the two top teams that get the most points, points. advance to a one game winner take all final. So if Canada and the U S meet in the preliminary round. And one of those teams doesn't make it to the final. Then you don't get a second matchup, which I think might be the most disappointing part of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not ideal, but after um, waiting so long. Yeah. Well, I know give that's us what we want. Yeah. That is the one advantage the women's game has for sure, because they get Canada U S all the time. And, um, well, they have an it, ongoing rivalry series. Yeah. That's why, yeah. like, outside of the worlds, outside of the Olympics, why can't we get a five-game series? Well, I'm, 
Yeah, I guess you could look at, I'm sure the players would come down to, Hey, like how much I need some time off. How much more am I playing? All those sorts of things. And I get it. I understand all that. Right. Cause they look and say, Hey, um, you know, we want, they have the Stanley cup and that's what they want. So um, it's going to be, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a, it's a good announcement for it. And it's a, as I said earlier, I think to me, it's just a nice teaser. It's not perfect, but it's better than the alternative. And I think you will have lots more fans watching that than they would on all-star weekend. No question. And you know what? Uh, so it's a maximum, you know, four games uh, for the guys. Now, obviously, just like we've had before, you know, guys going to get injured. Well, you can get injured in an NHL game. It's no different, right? I don't, players never go into games. I don't, people always talk about injuries. I don't, I'm like, why worry about an injury? You can get hurt in practice, right? Look at she, look at Sheetal and the New York Rangers. You can get hurt at Joe, any point. Joe Sackett got hurt snow blowing his driveway. I mean, yeah. honestly. So, it happens anywhere. So I never, I, if anybody brings that up, just tell them to zip it. Like you can get hurt at any point. And I think it's good for the game. Honestly, Frank, it's, it's something that the hockey hasn't had for way too long, be over a decade since now, I guess technically we did have it in 2016, no, but that wasn't best on best because yeah. whenever you have a uh, Connor McDavid joke that the, the all-star weekend felt like a team North America reunion because <laughs> almost all yeah. those guys from that team are there, or yeah. at least a huge chunk of them. But that's not best on best. No, it it will be in the Olympics, but only if Russia's there. And uh, quickly put a cap on the uh, All Star game. the The uh, skills competition, excluding Kucherov, uh, definitely looked like it was a uh, you know more uh, hotly contested and, and and more enjoyable to watch from a fan perspective. I when I got home on Sunday, I watched it with my son, and um, you know he he quite enjoyed it. And you see the guys in in different events and. Uh, I, I thought it went off uh, quite well as far as everything goes. Like I never complain about the game. The game's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be intense. I don't, I don't ever complaining about the the skill in the game is kind of surprising to me. But the skills competition was clearly the highlight, and you know lived up to it. Much improved uh, pace. Tyler and I were sitting in the press box, and we were like, "Oh, at least this is like moving on a lot faster than last year." Uh, the the events were interesting. I thought that one on one player on goalie puck battle uh, played really well. Obviously the traditional fastest skater and, and accuracy shooting, those are all, you know, home runs. And I liked it. And I liked that there was something on the line. I liked that, you know, you saw effort from a bunch of guys. Some guys didn't want to be embarrassed really outside of Kucherov, who my working theory was Kucherov was so bad in the first one that he just played up the rest of it. Like he didn't care. Yeah, probably. And yeah, I mean, probably some parts of it, any criticism are just a little bit overblown. Now, Frank, I don't know if anybody asked or not, but did anybody ask McKinnon why he wasn't the fastest skater? My son wanted to know, and I was like, I haven't really been following it all, so I don't know the answer to that. So players got to pick what they wanted to yeah, be in. I know. And he, no, I don't know that anyone asked him why he didn't want to hmm. be in that. Because your odds, if you look back on it, your odds were the best. You go in the fastest skater, you're getting points automatic. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that was by design. Yeah. By the way, there was, there's only like, I, I just like, I wish like they put these, they put players in positions to really make it interesting. And I wish they played along a little bit better, like where you got to pick your goalie. And, and there was like, uh, I'm picking Cam Talbot. And why is that? Because he's standing right in front of me. Like, come on, man, just put a stake in the ground and say something at least remotely interesting. We're handing you a microphone to ask why you're picking this goalie. And then yeah. it just became like, well, because he's the last one left. Well, there's in, during games, there's some trash talk, but it's yeah, it's a different sport, right? Like, but uh, it could be know, fun. It, it could be like, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm picking this guy because we don't we're going to face each other in the playoffs and I want an early test. Like it doesn't need to be like, yeah, hey, we're going like, to be insulting. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, no, they, uh, it was worth uh, an effort from the league. It was just like, come on guys. Like just give me a little something. Well, for the first time of a new one, I think, and now we won't have it again until 27, most likely that by then they'll probably maybe to iron out a few things and, you know, have a, a few things a little bit different to make it better. But it was, I, was I thought it was vastly just, improved. Yeah, way improved. And I was thinking to just to clarify, because I said very unlikely 2026, just a reminder that in 2022, the league did plan to go to Vegas for the All-Star and then to Beijing to have players in the Olympics. 
I don't know that that will definitely be the case in 2026. So we shouldn't absolutely rule out a 2026 all-star, but we know for sure the NHL announcing last week that there won't be one in 2025. I know we're, we're going to get to the trades uh, later on with uh, Tyler, but uh, Todd McClellan and the LA Kings uh, make the move. Uh, of course, the Kings don't play until Saturday. Their first game backs against Edmonton. Uh, you know, they've, they've got the interim head coach and Hillier. Do you think they'll be looking? Do you think Rob Blake is just like it's it's rare that an assistant coach has success when you get promoted from within? If you look historically in the NHL, it's hard to do. Not impossible. It's just harder to do. So, Frank, do you get the feeling that this is just a stopgap for L.A.? No, I, I think they're clearly a believer in, in Jim Hiller. Like he's. He's a 10 year NHL assistant coach. And what's most fascinating about it is that they said he'll be the interim for the rest of the season. Like they were clear and definitive. This isn't opening up a search, at least right now. This is yeah. this is our guy for the rest of the year. And I think honestly, what what this does, and 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 look, I'm not making any bold proclamation or anything, but when I see them make this coaching change and and you fire a clearly really good coach. What this does is it puts Rob Blake on the hot seat. I I think they're really feeling the pressure in LA. They, you know, they had their rebuild. They made the playoffs the first time, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. They lose to the Oilers in seven games. The next time, again, face the Oilers, lose. This year is not, it wasn't just about making the playoffs. After the big trade they made, getting Dubois, this was about being a, a, a team closer to contending than just making it. And the fact that they're kind of on the playoff fringes right now is very surprising. And the way this season has gone off the rails, it, it's got to be not just disappointing, but also turning up the temperature. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I didn't get the sense that, uh, you know, that Blake would be on the hot seat. I could be wrong on that. Um, I think there's obviously frustration in LA because, uh, you know, people try to compare it to Edmonton, but Edmonton had 12 bad games. LA for the last 28 games, Frank is ranked 27th in the NHL. Right? like that's over a third of the season. So that's why to me, I think it's a little bit different. And so now Hiller will come out. He'll, he'll have a few days of practice with this team before they, they get back on the ice and, now they did win just like uh, the orders funny enough well they won their last game before they they decided to fire the head coach so obviously they had made the decision prior and they just uh, didn't want to make it right before uh, that game so you know i'm curious like i think la it's it's fair to say they've underachieved here the last third of the season no question they're they're a better team than that and um i'll i'll be interested to see if you know if hiller you know what's his approach going to be because Ultimately, I think coaching, as has been proven in a lot of places, you know, you can have the same players, but a coach, it's how you connect to them, what your communication is, you know, what you want to instill in your team, and they respond, right? Like you, you look at Edmonton, they, they haven't changed their players, right? They, they, now they change a little bit of a strategy from Paul Coffey on the blue line, and then you know, limiting plays through the middle of the ice. But and they were also a good team before, and that's why LA, LA's been a pretty good team here now for for eighteen months. They've had a terrible run last two and a half months. And so I'm, I'm curious how quickly Hiller could, can bring them back around because it's not like, you know, you're a coach that gets fired. You could come into a bad team, Frank. I think coaches that come in on bad teams, like it's really hard to take a bad team. They're bad because they don't have a lot of talent. LA's got talent. And they've so, got tons of talent. They've got, yes. I think they've got talent out the ass. Honestly, like think about go, go through their team and their roster, like, where would you even add? Look at some of the guys that they have playing in the AHL that have been back and forth. They've just vastly under, I mean, look at the huge step that Quinton Byfield has taken this year. Like, they've had a couple guys underachieve, but I'm looking at this team and I go, I don't even know where I'd pick a player to add. What position? Maybe, 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 maybe third pair left shot. I, like there's maybe goal. I mean, obviously the goaltending because Cam Talbot's come back to earth, but how like I just to, to while you were, you're speaking about the team, I was looking at the longest tenure GMs in the league. And if you take the top 10, Rob Blake is seventh. 
He's approaching seven calendar years in April, April 10th, 2017. And all the common thread that ties all of these longest tenured guys together is that they've had success with their current team. Doug Armstrong, longest tenured, won a Stanley Cup. Kevin Cheveldayoff, Western Conference Final 2018. The one outlier, Yarmo Kekalainen, no playoff success to speak of. One round one in what will be next week, 11 calendar years. Jim Nill, Stanley Cup Final, Dallas Stars. Brian McClellan, Washington Capitals, won the Stanley Cup. Don Sweeney, 2019, Stanley Cup Final with the Bruins. Rob Blake, LA Kings. First round exits. Don Waddell, Carolina Hurricanes, conference final. New York Islanders, Lou Lamorello, conference final. Julian Brisebois, two Stanley Cups. Like you, you've they've all had success, right? Rob Blake, yeah, he they went through the rebuild. And I, look, I'm not saying that he's getting fired or anything. I'm just saying I think they're facing significant pressure with the Kings hmm. as a total organization. They need yeah. results. Well, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to uh, to see kind of where it plays out from here. Uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler Iremchuk to the pod. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, gentlemen. I got a bit of a raspy voice after living it up at All Star Weekend. Uh, went and saw Nelly Furtado, but full disclosure, as I posted on my Instagram, I thought I was seeing a different Nelly. So I was out there with some friends or whatever, and someone said, hey, I got tickets to go see Nelly on Saturday night. Do you want to go? And I was like, hell yeah, like a Nelly concert? That's sick. Like Nelly from the Lou? <laughs> I thought it was like Nelly the rapper. Like, let's get yeah. it's getting hot in here. Uh, yeah, oh, Nelly yeah. from the Lou. That and was a different All-Star game. He was at the one in St. Louis. Oh, there you go. Um, So I showed up, and I was like, wait, it's Nelly Furtado? Who calls Nelly Furtado just Nelly? No one. And, and I think you had a, did you have an Instagram and you were like, damn, I forgot how many good songs she had. She did. She's got a sneaky amount of bangers. Um, so it was a good concert, but anyways, yeah, I'm back with a raspy voice cause I partied hard, but either way, buy or sell is brought to you by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code nation 25, you can take advantage of the double dash feature this week. It's when you add a second restaurant onto your DoorDash order for no extra fees. So maybe you and your significant other never agree on what you want to get. Just double dash each, get your favorite spots with no extra delivery fees. Uh, let's get into our buy or sell. And we'll start with the Lindholm deal to the Vancouver Canucks, that top six, that forward group in Vancouver is looking good, but I want to know where you guys rank it in the Western conference. So sorry, it is fill in the blank today as well. I messed up on that. This Canucks forward group is blank best in the West. Frank. Hmm. I'm going to go. So are we going one to four or one top two lines? Do one to four full forward group. I'm going to say they are. Second. Uh, you know what? If we're going full forward group, I'm going to say third. Who do you have above them? I'm going to go Edmonton one. And I think I'm going to go. Ooh, this is really hard. I think I'm going to go Winnipeg two. Interesting. But I'm really thinking about Dallas too. Jason. Well, I still don't love the Canucks bottom six. Yeah, I look at Vancouver, and to me, I just look at their forward group. They lead the NHL in goals right now with 165, right? Uh, the most of any forward group. They just added Elias Lindholm, who I know he's not having the best goal scoring year, but you know they're pretty good. So, like I, the one team who's got a sneaky depth, um, like good contributing offense, is Dallas, right? Um, so I'm actually. I still might put the Canucks one just because to me so far their production is the best of any forward group uh, all season long. Uh, Frank Edmonton obviously is uh, is on a roll. They started so terrible that, uh, um, you know, the 12 games they were what I think they were like 26 in offense or something stupid. They've obviously picked up the pace. So um, they're close, but I, I agree with you. There's maybe a concern the, the Canucks, but by adding Lindholm, now you just push everybody down a spot. And I think that just, Puts guys, you know, some third line guys now on your fourth line. So it's going to make it better. So I actually might put a top to bottom. I'm going to put them first. 
um, now, but the potential for Edmonton or Dallas to surpass him is definitely there. Yeah, that's fair. They've now made their big move. Uh, let's go. But to what the about other- Winnipeg? Um, I don't. The, the The Jets don't score enough to me, man. The Jets are like 18th and forward points. So no, they're not even in my top five. Let's talk about the ad they made. A lot of us were expecting that at some point ahead of the deadline, the Jets would go and add a piece down the middle. They do that, getting Sean Monahan. They give up a first round pick to make it happen. The Jets paying a first round pick for a rental in Sean Monahan is blank. Jason, that's expected. I, I think you know Monahan's gonna gonna play a pretty large role there. We, we've seen this before, and I wouldn't be shocked if he resigns in Winnipeg. Uh, to be honest, so. You know that I, I think when when you look at Winnipeg and Shovel Day off, they've done this before. Right? I think it was Paul Stastny, and then they re-signed him. So I could e- easily see them resign there. Monahan's already, you know, he's played in Canada lots, Calgary, and Montreal. So I think he likes it. So I think uh, you know we're, we're talking, you know, a later first round pick. So I don't mind this trade at all. I, I think it's one that Winnipeg looks and says, I think there's a good chance here that we can re-sign this guy on on a pretty decent deal here moving forward. Frank. So fill in the bank blank. The question was what? How evaluate the trade? Yeah, the Jets paying a first rounder for Monahan is blank. Market price. It just is. Like, go look at the comps I put out there. His production, his position, it it all matters. Like I've been saying this the last few days. The seasons change, the players change, the teams involved change, but more or less, you can set a watch to the market prices that are paid for teams for players at the deadline. And Sean Monahan just fits that late first round pick. I've been saying it forever. I got crushed on social media. Uh, not the first time in the last number of weeks uh, that uh, that was what the deal was going to be. And it was really fun to go back on Friday and read those receipts. But that's right where he was. Well, it's why we, we debated on the pod a while back. I said the return you're going to give up for Monahan compared to Lindholm and the production based on how Monahan's doing. Like, I'm I'm going to monitor those teams because they're basically now going to be in the same spot. They're both going to be second line centers uh, on their teams. So it'll be interesting moving forward to see kind of who gets the better value based on what they gave up. Greg, as you talked a little bit about Dallas and Edmonton and maybe teams that could add still or should be adding still in the next month. Uh, but now with Vancouver and Winnipeg making their big splashes, the team facing the most pressure in the Western Conference to make the next big move is blank, Frank. Colorado. Mm, yeah. I, I like their team. I think... Nathan McKinnon is just an absolute beast mode, but I don't, I think their forward core is the, is one of the more thin and they're, they're buffeted by the fact that they have a pretty deep defense core, but they also really need an upgrade in net. And so I don't know. I don't think Colorado was deep in on Sean Monahan. I think that they were one of the teams that had been in the mix on Lindholm because I also think it's fair to ask the question, how much of an upgrade is Sean Monahan over Ryan Johansson? I know he hasn't played well, but how like realistically, how, how big of an upgrade is that? How much does he increase your chances to win the cup? My answer is probably low single digits. Um, but given, I think, the amount of work they have to do, they'd be one of those teams, I think, this week that's going back to the drawing board saying, hey, Ad- you know, Adam Henrique might be a nice fit. But given what the market was for Monaghan getting a late first, Henrique's also going to get a late first. I-, I don't know that he plays with enough pace to really be impactful in Colorado. And maybe they're one of those teams that's looking now saying, well, these w- this was the price for rentals. How much extra would it cost me to get someone from a non-playoff team that has term that might be a better fit for the future? Oh, I think I think it's Colorado all day long because McKinnon and Ranton right now are, are massively carrying them. Now, Nichushkin uh, went healthy, obviously gives them a lot. He's got 22 goals already. But, you know, after that, they don't have a forward of more than 28 points. Like, there's a significant drop-off 
in production. They're their big three, and really their big two are carrying them. Now, they have obviously got Makar and Taves as an elite first pair of defense. There's no arguing that. But, yeah, I think Colorado's got to they got to find a way, I think. if when, when you get into the top six teams in the West, Colorado, now you go into a series, there might – I still would take their top two forwards over Dallas's top two or Winnipeg's top two, but the rest of the team, you're definitely the forward groups. You're going to say Dallas and Winnipeg. So I think it's Colorado for sure that, that's looking to move. I, I think all the teams like Edmonton's going to add something. I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be a massive splash. We'll, uh, we'll see. They definitely at bare minimum, they need a depth, uh, a seventh veteran defenseman and probably want to get a, a right shot center if they could. But, you know, will they go out and get a, a second uh, line right winger? There's like a proven scoring right winger. Maybe um, there's lots of talk about upgrading their, their first pair right D. And I've said I, I get the theory behind it, but the reality is it's a lot harder to do right for cost. So I think Colorado, though, has more holes right now amongst the top teams uh, in the West. Fair enough. All right, guys, there you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell, as always, delivered by DoorDash. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, like when you crunch down the numbers, man, like Nathan McKinnon, is he's having such an unreal year and, and really almost like single-handedly kind of carrying uh, Colorado. Rantanen's been very good, but uh, even he's almost 20 points behind him. So, you know, McKinnon's having himself a heck of a season. There's no debate. I think he, right now today, he'd be, I know Kucherov has one more point than him, but if you look at most valuable to your team, I you know it's close, but uh, I think McKinnon might uh, be there, uh, uh, you know, a little bit ahead of him. So we'll see well, what happens. It might be... Tyler, mark this down. It, it, it'll be fascinating to do this exercise again, like April 10th, the week before the playoffs, because if you're getting Landis Cog back and you've traded for a center and you've up, you know, I mean, the goaltending yeah. wasn't part of the question, but there is a chance that the abs look vastly different when it comes playoff time, which is really when it matters. And you know, I, I don't know how big of a swing Dallas is going to take. I think they like their team a lot. And I think you're you you arrive at an interesting point with Edmonton because I don't based on what the market is showing right now, like who's really exciting you, this market gets thin in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like I, I think, you know, but we, I've looked and I've done a lot of the studies over the deadlines. Like some of the best trade deadline acquisitions haven't been the big names, right? Like you look usually Michael, not. Like Michael Hanzu still might be one of the greatest deadline acquisitions of all time. When the Michael Kempney, I mean, go through yeah. the list. Like there, it's usually not the huge, sexy acquisition that gets it done. And the yeah. last two cup winners didn't trade a first. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't see Ken Holland in trading a first unless it's for a guy, as you mentioned, Frank, kind of like Colorado with term, right? Uh, I, I could see that. Um, they would love to do another Ekholm trade, but those trades are hard. Like those, those trades don't come along very often, right? Like I get the theory behind it, but when you look at how many of those guys get dealt regularly, it's not many. So, you know, you get a guy with, you know, you got three years of term 
with him. So that's a pretty big advantage for them. Um, speaking of uh, trades, Frank, what do you make of the like Dubas and the Penguins? What are you hearing on Gensel? We are uh, you know just a, a month out from a trade deadline. Still too early. I know that they went into the the playoffs just or the sorry the break. Um, certainly not feeling best about where they could be. They they had played well for a stretch and then kind of came back to earth. They're a really uneven team and they haven't found a way to play really with any sort of consistency. And maybe at some point we're 46 games in. Do you need to see 55? Do you need to see another month's worth of action to really know what this team is? I, I just think they ha- they owe it. They have to give these guys the longest runway possible. Like I think it should go down to the absolute wire on Gensel. How close are we? What are our chances to make it? And how will we navigate this? Because I see it as black and black and white. You're either keeping him and you are using him for the playoff run and he's walking for nothing. Or you're trading him at the deadline for an absolute haul. So you think there's no chance they resign him? I don't want to. It's not no chance, but I think that would be an absolute mistake. So let's say they re-sign him and then they miss the playoffs. Two consecutive years of missing the playoffs with a healthy Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin with a 100-point defenseman in Eric Carlson and a umpteen-time all-star in Chris Letang. You're going to sign Jake Gensel for eight years to be what? The best player on the 32nd place team? I mean, that's where they're heading. Yeah. Look how thin it gets. Look how look at their prospect pool. Look at they don't even have a first round pick this year. They already traded it for Carlson. They are going to be the worst team in the league for at least eight years. At least. You we've we've talked about a rebuild doing it right eight years. Yeah. They're starting from zero. At least some of those teams had a prospect pool. The Penguins don't have anything. So yeah, you, maybe you move Gensel and that's the start of it. And then, and then you consider like, did, did Sidney Crosby say, Hey, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe like next year at the trade deadline, Sidney Crosby could have lots of value for your team. Right. Could I'd he be, be a shocked. Ray Bohr? I'd be shocked if he moves on, but that that's just me. I, I've always viewed him as penguin for life, but. But do you think he wants to sit there knowing that they're going to be terrible? Like, Patrick Kane and John now Jonathan Taves health injuries, but you know, Patrick Kane and then we're like, yes, they're going scorched earth. I don't want a part of it. They probably don't want him a part of it. Um, like what's like, what would be the motivation for Sidney Crosby to stay other than say Your a franchise value plummets? Uh, like quite literally that team is a lot less valuable without Sidney Crosby selling tickets. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, and just, Hey, speaking of Crosby, he's, Frank, he's how, won uh, three Stanley Cups. By the way, like it's not like he, you know, he's 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 reached the pinnacle multiple times. Yeah. with that team, it's it's not like he's searching, longing, waiting. It's not Ray Bork. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, you uh, you're making a lot of friends with the uh, Penguins fans with the uh, Sidney Crosby comment. I see. Uh that it's still blowing up. I'm still my my feed is still. Uh, still sparked uh, here's what i would say first off if you're going to come at me about my weight trust me you can't hate me more than i already hate myself okay that's one and two uh that's like that's old material like no it's a lame that's like, that shows you don't have anything like you have nothing of a rebuttal because like, for anybody who's listening, basically Frank said, hey, man, like Sidney Crosby, um, because he wasn't there at the draft on the uh, Thursday for the NHL All-Star game, right? That, you know, he's he, there's been a few times where he's he's not uh, he's not showing up at kind of mandatory events. And, and my point wasn't to crush Sidney Crosby or question his character or say he's a bad person. That's that's really not what the point of it was. And I, I loved the, the, the second favorite part of it was like all the comments about, Oh, well, that's just a guy from Philly. Like, of course he hates Pittsburgh. Come on. Uh, But the point of it was 
no one ever says anything critical. It's almost like, you know, you are attacking a beatified saint. And and that's not really what I was trying to do. My point is no one says, hey, we had a player draft here, All-Star Thursday night. It's an official league event. All of the All-Stars are there. Sidney Crosby is in Montana at Yellowstone. Why? And then people were saying, well, doesn't he deserve a break? Yeah, but they just had a bye week. The whole idea of players can't come to All-Star because they don't get a break, that's actually why they instituted the bye week and Mm -hmm. shaped it around All-Star weekend to guarantee that even the biggest stars in the world that show up still come to All-Star weekend. And is it the end of the world that he didn't show up? No. Does he do extra media to make up for not being there at the player draft? Yes. My my whole point was pick another player. Sidney Crosby doesn't get any criticism. I'm going to just say this out loud, the part that no one wants to say, because he's Canadian. If this was a big-name American star, if this was Alex Ovechkin, or if he was still playing well, whoever it might be, they would be getting raked over the coals. What is this guy, too big for the NHL? And then everyone says, well, he carried the league on on his back for a decade plus. He deserves some time off. Like, I guess, like, again, I'm not, uh, no part of me is attacking Sidney Crosby. He's an A-plus, gold standard human being, great person, all of those things. My whole point was, he doesn't show up and everyone's like, oh, whatever, all good. Because it's Sid. I'm sorry. That's just like that's that's not how it works. Was he was he trying to get the car? Did he want to get drafted last? No, I'm kidding. But there was uh, no car. Do you know, know they took the they took the weeniest way out. Did you see it? No, I didn't watch the drive. Okay, so so what they did, well, you and everyone else, it only got forty six thousand viewers in the U.S. Um, what they did was the last four guys, since there were four teams, they had Dave Keon come out of the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs and hand them each envelopes and in they like shuffled up the envelopes. And then in them was, Hey, this is the team you're going to. And everybody opened them up at once. I mean, come on, really? Like for, for the test of time on playgrounds everywhere, seven and eight year olds, some kid is getting picked last. I'm fairly certain that a, 28 to 35 year old millionaire NHL all-star can handle the brunt of being picked last, but apparently not in this era of no hurt feelings. Yeah. I th- uh, that's not surprising to me. Uh, look at Phil Kessel, Phil, the thrill. It didn't bother him at all. He was, uh, you know, he had the perfect, whatever he laughed about it, as he should like, who cares? I'm still at the all-star game. It's not like you're the last, like somebody has to be last. Just like somebody has to be first. Doesn't mean the first pick is automatically the best pick. It's just how it is. It just blows my mind, but hey, you know what? Um, I, I guess you can't say anything about Sid. So <laughs> I, it's just like I, I'm. My mind is still blown. Like I, I he's gonna get trade. He's gonna get. Tra- I had some. I had a guy tweet me. He's like, you're. He's like, you know why Sidney Crosby wasn't there? And I'm like, like, like this is the type of guy Sidney Crosby is. He, my daughter has cancer, and he autographed and personalized the stick and sent it to her. Like, that's an amazing story. And uh, again, there is not one negative word to say about Sidney Crosby as a person. The gold standard of what every professional athlete and person should be. But these two things can be true at the same time. That Connor McDavid has been to more All-Star games than Sidney Crosby because he he doesn't like it. Part of it, he was injured. One year, I think he got suspended for not showing up. Another yeah. year, uh, like last year, he also didn't show up to the first day when everyone did their media. It's just like it doesn't – it's it's okay to point it out. That's all I'm saying. It's okay. Well, I'll make it. And, and you're not going to hurt my feelings, I promise. You can tweet me all you want. Uh, Frank, we've had a few deals. Which is uh, nice. Uh, leading up to it, um, you, you look at uh, obviously we have the the trade bait board, and there's a few guys off the trade bait board already. Uh, guys who are right near the top. Um, who do you like? Is there a team we've talked about Colorado? But is there a team that you think is going to move quicker 
than others. Pittsburgh, obviously, probably not with Jake Gensel. They kind of want to see where they're at. Um, you know, and do you think there's going to be a few teams that might end up being sellers that people don't think are going to be sellers? Like, where do you come out in the Devils? Um, I don't know where to come out on the Devils, honestly. Because Tyler Toffoli would have some interest by a lot of teams, I think. Uh, guys won Stanley Cups. He's having a really good year. He had a really good year last year. Yeah, here... By the way, I wanted to pass along a tidbit. Uh, one of the, and I've been trying to figure this out all weekend. One of the teams that was down to the wire on Sean Monahan was a team that we hadn't pegged as being in the market for a center. And they were also willing to offer a late first round pick. And I was surprised. I don't, I don't know the team and I've been trying to sleuth it out, but um, that plus I thought it was really intriguing that the Avs put Ivan Prozvatov on waivers. He cleared, but um, Eustace Ananen was the guy they called up who they, they obviously like and believe in, but is not ready to be the, the one B to Georgiev, who, by the way, the most overworked man in hockey <laughs> through, through the all-star break comes to Toronto and makes the most saves in the skills competition and wins a hundred grand. So good on him. Um, but that Prozvatov thing kind of made me wonder, are the abs going to address their goalie situation first before <laughs> addressing the center part? Well, they should because they got to do it sooner than later. Cause you're right. Otherwise Georgia, if they make it to the playoffs, it's going to be, he's going to be done, right? Like he's already started 40 games. Right now, now same with UC Sorrows, both of them. But you know, you compare that to like you know Demko's five fewer games, Hellebuck five fewer games, Stewart Skinner seven. Like you look at the top teams, obviously Ottinger's being hurt, right? But that that stuff cumulative adds up a lot. So I, I think Colorado, Frank, it, it's a, it's a good point. They need to they would need to make a move quicker rather than wait until March seventh because by then, heck, Georgia could be up to forty eight starts by then. Yeah. Maybe more crazy number. Yeah. Like you just now that some would argue, Hey, goalies should be able to do it. And, but the abs have said publicly, Chris McFarland, go listen to frankly speaking. I had him on a couple weeks ago, said point blank too much, way too much. Yes. So So there, he may, he physically, he may be able to do it. That doesn't mean his GM wants him to No. So like, and I'm curious what San Jose's thought process is on Mackenzie Blackwood. Right. Well, San Jose's thought process on anyone should be extracting any pieces of value possible. Yeah, but like if, to me, if it's a mid-round pick, like I, I guess maybe they could say, well, they're going to be bad anyway, so who cares who their goalie is? And there's probably some truth to that. But, man, like you, you go into a season with no chance, uh, like no chance even be remotely competitive on a nightly basis because you don't have a goalie. Like Capo Kacken, and I'm sorry, he's not the answer. Right? Like he's who, not getting who's the bigger mess, the Blue Jackets or the Sharks? Oh, the Sharks. The Blue Jackets got some good young players, man. Um, you know, you're a check. They'll figure it out. He'll play there. We got Fantilli. Like, who, name a Sharks best player. Like, I guess it's Eklund under the age of 24. And who else is coming? Anybody? Like, dude, they missed the playoffs for four years, and they have no young top prospects. Well, I guess maybe Will Smith, you could say. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm... So, but... What about Muka Badulin? I got to see more, maybe. Like, fair. I mean, he made his debut this week. Yeah. But like those, you know what? Hey, if he turns out, that's awesome. It's, you know, but I, I look at San Jose, man. They're a, that's a, that was way. a huge piece of the, of the trade. Demo Meyer deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that they picked, my understanding is they picked Mukama Doolin over um, Alexander Holtz. Yeah, and we'll see. Maybe they're right. But I I look at the Sharks and Columbus to me has way better high-end prospects today than uh, than what they have in San Jose. This is not even close. No, no. Like, like Fant- Fantil and Yurchek, just start there. I think those two are really good. Then you go Kent Johnson and down the list, they got some other ones coming. So Yeah, um, Yurchek, Hatrick in the AHL. I saw that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, good for him. Just amazing how that works. As, as Guys the, that uh, shouldn't be in the AHL doing things that prove that they shouldn't be in the AHL. Yeah, he uh, there is a valid point 
that Columbus is going nowhere. Why you don't have him playing the NHL and playing big minutes? What like what are you waiting for? Now's the time to let him learn and make mistakes. Yeah. And before we go, um, today obviously it's it's happening after our pod wraps, but the London Police Service holding a press conference in London. The uh, lawyers for the four NHL players and one uh, former NHL player. They were in court. Uh, they've they're beginning the sharing stage where uh, I don't know the proper term disclosure where the the government shares the uh, the evidence that they have with the attorneys. Uh, the next hearing is on April thirtieth, but we'll have some reaction for you on Thursday to the London Police Service press conference when we convene again on the rundown. Which would you say the guy's name was? Big Steve. Big Steve. Big huge Steve, fan. Buddy. I and love Arizona. it. Love that. Guy. Hey, what'd you make of Batman's press conference in regards to the? Uh, I thought it was on the whole. I thought it was about as good as they could do. They didn't yeah. run from any questioning. They sat there for as long as it took for everyone to empty their notebook. They were combative in certain things and. I thought it was a tough look at the time when the commissioner stopped Robin Doolittle from the Globe and Mail after her string of questions. But then the fact that she got the mic again after the fact when others had the chance to ask more was sort of washed that away. And I think the league is in a spot where it doesn't really make make any sense to act without having gone the the legal system having done its due process because if you were to punish players and then they're found not guilty you're going to be in a really tough position haven't they done that though with formington no because formington was offered a qualifying offer contract and he turned it down which is pretty standard place for someone that you know, believes they're due a raise, but they, that was their, that was his own choice. If he had taken the qualifying offer, he would have probably still been in the NHL today. So he has no recourse. You can't go back and unring that bell. Um, I think the other interesting part is we know that this is about to be a long process and these players have taken their leave of absence. You know, this, the court may not hear these cases until 2026. And, but none of them have a contract past the end of the That's year. And that's the point that Gary Bettman made was like a lot of the talk about these players will kind of be moot. He didn't say that, but that's read between the lines of they're probably going to be non-factors for a while. They've taken a leave. Obviously, no one's going to sign them at this, you know, moment in time when, you know, if the summer rolls around, there's not a significant development. So they'll all be unrestricted free agents potentially in the summer. Yes. Yeah. And so they might follow in Formington's footsteps and go play overseas. I think the big question that that I wish if I had a chance to ask it now would be if they want it, if these given that due process needs to play itself out, if these players wanted to return from their leave of absence, would the league allow them to? That's the key question to ask that I wish in real time I had been smart enough to ask. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to guess no, but it's a fair question for sure. So, Frank, uh, before we go, remind everybody the uh, Wendy's Daily uh, uh, Face Off Survivor Pool is uh, back on. You can get in, of course, uh, games today, tomorrow, all through the week. and. Frank will just try to get to uh, Tuesday. The good news oh. is, Frank, there's only two games tonight, so maybe you got better odds to find a find an option that will get you through to Tuesday. Just, uh, just got to pick one. That's all you need. <laughs> Easier said than done. If you've yet to play, you can win five thousand dollars in cash. Of course, uh, great weekly prizes and more. Frank's just hoping just to not get shut out. He's just hoping to get one prize all it, year. It's, it's legit. Like I'm telling you. It is legit. Legit hard. That's uh, go to dailyfaceoff.com and look up in the top right corner for the Wendy's survivor pool. Uh, we will chat Thursday, Frank uh, games back underway. Of course, uh, we'll see. Could the Edmonton orders have tied the NHL record for longest win streak? They're in Vegas on Tuesday and uh, we'll have more on the uh, hockey Canada fall. Cause we'll hear from the uh, lawyers and what they have to say later on today. And uh, who knows? 
Maybe we'll have a few trades by Thursday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.